Man, it's so great to be able to connect with you today uh, online at Life Church, and to just to be able to share God's words. So if you have your Bibles, as you turn with me to Romans chapter two, Romans chapter two, going to get there in just a minute. Uh, as we're beginning today, I just kind of wanted to say something. Last week in the online, when I was talking about uh, kind of our response and just kind of that pastoral moment for a few minutes, I had a slight <coughs> cough just like that. And uh, Dr. Steve Morgan, who attends uh, our Life Church uh, at the Germantown campus, uh, basically texted me in the middle of that and just went, hey, what's up with the cough? Are you okay? He's just being Mr. You know, doctor. And so I had to tell him, it's just a dry mouth, dry throat issue because uh, I had done so many takes. So just letting everybody know I'm great, good, fine. I hope you're great, good, and fine. I've also got my Life Church little coffee right here in case I need a little something with my dry throat. But uh, it, it, it is one of those times that we're in. And so um, anyhow, I just want to get right into God's Word. And I want to uh, uh, go right, continue on in our series. Again, we're going we're gonna to finish up next week uh, with the last part of this. And then we'll kind of go into an Easter series after that. So I hope you'll join us for that as well. But, but today in this series on So Help Me God, um, we're talking about the judge and the jury. And it's interesting because um, most of what Paul is writing here in these first couple of chapters is really setting up more like a courtroom type of, a, of, a, of an illustration and, um, and, and a visual. And we as Americans, we love courtroom. We love courtroom dramas. We love courtroom reality TV. Uh, we, we like it. We, we kind of all like kind of a, a whodunit kind of a deal like and trying to figure it out because secretly we kind of judge. Let's just be honest. And this isn't a, this isn't a, a, um, uh, uh, an American thing or a 21st century thing. This is just a human thing. This is just how we are. And so Paul begins to address this issue of judging and how we will be judged uh, in this second chapter of Romans. So just to kind of back up just a little bit, uh, chapter one, Paul shows how the pagan Gentiles have rejected God and how they have been given over to godlessness and to wickedness by their own choosing. Talked a lot about that last weekend. And then throughout chapter one, Paul consistently uh, refers to sinful humanity as they and them. It's kind of a nice, safe, third person pronoun that keeps the finger pointed elsewhere. But in Romans chapter two, as we're gonna read today, Paul kind of puts a spin on this. And the pronoun goes from a third person pronoun to a second person pronoun of you. He makes this very personal. And so again, he goes from talking about the Gentiles, which in the mindset would have been more outsiders, which we do know that there were more Gentiles in the church in Rome than definitely there would have been in the church in Jerusalem. But, uh, and so the Jewish uh, uh, believers would have been much more of a minority, but there's this mindset of because we're Jewish, because we're kind of the insiders that we kind of have a corner market on this thing. And we were kind of raised in this thing. And because you're Gentiles, you're new to this and you come from a, uh, a non-Jehovah God-fearing background as pagans, uh, you're the ones that have the issues. And it's almost like if you were to contextualize it to today, it's almost like people that are outside of church and people that are inside of church. Outside of church being pagans, sinners, Gentiles, inside of church being, uh, you know, God-fearing, church-raised, you know, Jewish uh, uh, that, that's the two pieces. And he flips this instead of it being about them and it's about you. And so Romans chapter two, he just keeps 
critiquing this lifestyle. He keeps critiquing uh, what would have been strongly um, supported. Uh, this, this again, this this these two sides of this with the, with the Gentiles and with the Jewish, uh, and, and, and again, this Jewish mindset, because they're from this, that they get an, an, an ex, ex, because they're from this, they get an exemption. And so I'm gonna kind of unpack four basic statements that are gonna come out of chapter two uh, about how God judges those of us who claim to know him. Uh, this is really more about the insider. This is really more about the Jewish believer uh, who is steeped in tradition and less about the Gentiles. Chapter one, a lot more about the outsider, about the Gentile. Chapter two, a lot more about the Jewish believer who claimed to have a relationship with them. So the first statement is this, we will be judged based on our knowledge. God will judge us. We will be judged based on our knowledge. Now look at Romans two, starting in verse one through verse three. You may think that you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. You have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself for you judge others who do the very same things. Verse two, and we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? He's dealing with this self-righteous mindset. Uh, you're lost, I'm not you're lost and I'm glad that I'm not because I feel better about myself. It's almost like kind of stinks to be you kind of a deal. It's like, this is your problem. This is all about you. It's kind of like if you're at church and, and the pastor is just talking about all the people outside of church. You know, if you've ever been to a church like that where it's all about all those people are horrible, but we're great. Uh, it's like, yeah, we're all great. And, and, and it's, this, it's this very much this self-righteous mindset that he begins to deal with. Now, remember, God's judgment is fair. Um, he will, but when he judges us, according to this passage, he'll use our own standards. The judgments made with our own mouths are the statements that we make are what we're gonna be judged by. Jesus warns about this in Matthew's gospel, chapter seven, listen to these words, verses one through three. Do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard in which you use in judging is a standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Again, no problem with judging. Just understand whatever level you judge someone else with, you're gonna be judged by. Now again, the reality is that no one truly lives up to their own standards. And we really tolerate only as much evil, quite frankly, as we can accept within ourselves. And so when we feel resentment towards God for not eradicating evil in the world, we oftentimes forget that eliminating all the evil would mean also eliminating us. Because <laughs> we are not righteous, no, not one of us. And so the truth of the matter is, is that we all, if we're not careful, have this, I'm judging somebody else from my point of strength, not from my point of weakness. So you can say, well, that's no problem. I, I can just judge someone because quite frankly, the reality is, is, is I don't do what they're doing. No, but you do something else that's just as equally as bad or 
It's evil. See, sin is sin. There's no grades of sin. There's no level of sin. Sin is sin. And if we understand that, that person may have a problem with this sin and you've got a problem with that sin. And when you judge that person on that sin, it's as though you're judging yourself on this sin. And just because you're not dealing with, because they're not doing your sin, doesn't mean that you're more righteous. But in our own minds, we think that we are because we have a tendency to judge people from our strengths, not our weaknesses. And so we have to think then why are we even here? Why are we still alive? Well, because verse four says that the riches of his kindness and his tolerance and his patience, it's God's grace. Listen, the reason why God tolerates all of us is his grace. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us. It, 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 it's, it's not his judgment or his wrath. And so it's by the grace of God. And let me just stop here and just say this, because we're gonna talk about judging ourselves and being kind of introspective and that kind of a deal. Understand, it's by grace that we've been saved through faith and that not of ourselves. it's a gift of God. It's been grace through God's grace that everyone is saved and that not of themselves. it's a gift of God. We are all recipients of that grace. The ground is all level at the foot of the cross. Second statement is we will be judged based on our heart. We're gonna be judged based on our heart. Look at verses four and verse five. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Verse five, but because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself for a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. See, a self-righteous person acknowledges the existence of God, but sees no need for him themselves. Their attitude is they welcome God's wrath on others, but they think that they're entirely exempt. The self-righteous person may have rejected all the current and external idols that society is worshiping, statues or casual sex, career, so on. But the problem isn't the externals. The problem is the internals. It's they find their self-worth in actually keeping the rules. And therefore they think that they're okay because they're checking all the boxes. So it would be like this, you know what? I'm not as bad as them because I go to church and I go to life group and, and, and I give, you know, our church wasn't even in, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't meet live. We met online and, and, and I gave anyhow, you know, I, I, I'm checking all these boxes. The problem with that is, is that becomes our source of, well, we're judging people because we're doing this and they're not. And the issue, it's a heart issue, not just an external issue. It's, it's not just about me checking these boxes, it's about my heart. And, and, and forgetting that quite frankly, our attitude is really very self-righteous in doing that. Instead of going, you know what? There may be a reason why they couldn't be there. There might've been a reason why they're dealing with that there could be a reason why they're, they're dealing with things that they're dealing with. You know, like right now in this particular season and time that we're in, people are gonna be battling with all different types of things. Uh, people that have addictions, this is gonna be a difficult time. Maybe you have an addiction and you're, you're watching and, and right now you're just, man, you, you've been sober for, for so long. You've, you've been drug free for so long. And this is going to be, a, this is a season where you're just, the depression is just driving you and, and, and I'm just wanting to speak to you for a minute. There's nothing but love here. God's grace, go back to what he says in verse four. It's his kindness. It's his grace that leads us to repentance. And so I believe God's grace and, his, and, and, God's, and God's kindness is gonna be strength for you in this season. I think it's real careful for us to go, well, you know what? I'm handling everything great. I don't understand what's wrong with these people. 
See, it becomes an us and a them. And in doing so, this is exactly what Paul's saying, in us judging other people and their weaknesses and our strength, we become self-righteous. Therefore, we think that we're exempt when the truth of the matter is the very self-righteousness, the very thing, the attitude that we have about what we're strong about <laughs> is actually, uh, it's sin because we're boasting of ourselves instead of boasting of him. We're looking to ourselves instead of looking to him. And we're judging other people in the process instead of just giving grace. I hope this makes sense because I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. I'm just teasing. But I mean, it's just one of those things where like, we've got to think about this, that this is judgment based upon our own hearts. How is your heart? How do you view this? How do you view others? Third statement is we will be judged based on our deeds. We'll be judged based on our deeds. So I don't want you to think this is just a heart issue and it doesn't matter how you live. No, it, it's not an either or, it's a both and. Look at verses six through 10. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. Verse seven, he will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and the honor and immortality that God offers. Not immorality, I need to make sure I said that right. Verse eight, but he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness, that there will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. Why for the Jew first? Because they know better. Is that be like for the Christ follower first and then for the Gentile? Because we know better. It's again, we've got information. Look at verse 10. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. So let's unpack this for a minute. Look at verse six. At the end of days, there, there'll be a terrifying courtroom scene involving every human being who's ever taken a breath on the planet. And the deeds of each man or each woman will be laid on a scale and weighed against the holy character of God. This is why he's talking about judgment. We don't judge against someone else. We don't judge against their weakness to our strength. No, we judge our strength and our weakness compared to God. That's the very definition of righteousness, verse five and six says. Wealth and power, position, race, color, nationality, heritage, philosophy will count for nothing. Religion will count for nothing. The fact that you are at Life Church will count for nothing. The standard will be the same for all. Those who have had access to the law, access to God's word, those who haven't. Verse six says, he will render to each person according to his or her own deeds. Verse seven says that the reward of righteousness is eternal life. So people who find their salvation in God, who have made him the center of their life, they're, they're gonna have eternal life. That they're, they're gonna have their reward. Paul's not saying that our works need to be added and, uh, to our faith in order for us to be able to stand on the day of judgment. But basically that because we have faith, our lives should be changed and our actions should be different and it should be evident in our lives. So our works don't save us, but our works are evidence that we have been saved. Verse eight talks about the penalty for the unrighteousness is wrath. Again, there's two indicators in a person's life if they're right with God. First is self-seeking. Is there agenda in life self-seeking or is it God-seeking? Is it, is it selfless or selfish? Secondly, it's about a rejection or acceptance of truth. If someone has rejected the truth or they're following evil in their life, therefore they've rejected God. 
And the ultimate penalty in the end is, is eternity without God. It's wrath. It's the wrath of God according to verse 8. Verse 9 and 10 says it first for the Jew and then also for the Gentile, meaning that God does not show favoritism in his judgment. Meaning he's not going to give you or I who are in the church a, a pass or a wink or a nod or because sometimes, you know, hey, I know somebody and I can help you. No, no, no. That's not how this works. You will be judged based on what you did with what you had with where you were. That's it. I will be judged based on where I am with what I have with what he's given me. That's it. That's the reason why. That, and, I, and, and I honestly, I love that because there's a lot of you that I can't keep up with. There's a lot of you that are way more holy than I am, way more pure than I am. You have your stuff way more together than I do. And, and I don't want to be compared to you. And there's some of you I'm, I'm a little better than, and I may be a little, 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 little whatever. Uh, but the reality is, is that I'm not judged based on you or somebody else. I'm not judged based on Billy Graham or uh, favorite TV preacher or, 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 or my sweet grandmother, God rest her soul. I, I'm judged based on me. I'm judged based on, is my heart right? I'm judged based on, am I judging others or am I giving grace and love and kindness the way God's given grace and love and kindness to me? And in my life, has Jesus so changed me that it changes the way I live? Because again, if he hasn't, I really ask the question, have you really been changed? Because it's something that should be internal and external. The, the fourth thing is in the last statement here is that we will be judged fairly. We'll be judged fairly. Look at verses 11, 12, and 13. For God does not show favoritism. Thank God for that, amen? When the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed. <laughs> period, in discussion, even when they have never had God's written law. And the Jews who do not have God's, or who do have God's law will be judged by the law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It's obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. So the law is basically God's word. And, and because Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, John 1, 1 says that, that Jesus is the word made flesh. So, so in, in essence, is, 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 um, is, 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 is the, the written law, God's word, if we don't have that, we're still responsible for that. And if we do have that, we're even more so responsible for that. Again, that's the reason why missions is so important. That's the reason why that we do greater around the corner, around the world, because the reality of the matter is if someone doesn't know who Jesus is, that's our responsibility. That's the reason why the Bible says the great commission, the greatest commission that Jesus gave us was to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel. The Bible also says that when the gospel has been preached throughout the entire world, then the end shall come. The truth of the matter is that's our responsibility. So whether I give for a missionary to go or I go myself, that's our responsibility to as much as we can to leverage our time and our talent and our treasure to be able to go around the corner, around the world so that people know Jesus. Because quite frankly, that's our responsibility to tell them the good news, to tell them that there's a God that loves them, to tell them that God so loved them that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And if we fail to do that, again, 
according to Romans 1.18, we talked about this in week one, that we, man suppresses the truth in our own wickedness that God has made it clearly known. God will still make it known to them. But how much easier, how much better is it to have a Bible written in your own heart language? How much better is it to have a message in your own native tongue that you can understand? I'd much rather have somebody tell me in a language that I can understand rather than for me to have to just see it in the nature or, uh, or for there to be a heavenly vision uh, for me to understand that. And so the truth of the matter is, is that that's our responsibility. God's judgment is impartial. He doesn't show favoritism. It doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter how many generations we've been in church. It, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is that it's our heart. And if, we're, if, if our heart is not right with God and our actions are not consistent with our heart, then we're done. That's it. The judgment is over. This isn't a jury, it's God. <laughs> but if our hearts are right, not because we're perfect, but because Jesus Christ has saved us. Jesus Christ has washed us clean. His blood uh, has washed over us. And though our sins be as scarlet, the book of Isaiah says in the Old Testament, his blood washes it white as snow, that we are made clean in Jesus. And our actions of our life, the endeavoring of the actions of our life. Again, this is not about perfection. This is about intention. Again, it's our hearts and how we live our life out of that. If that's right before the Lord, then we don't have anything to fear. We have nothing to worry about. So what really matters is how we relate and respond to God. So as we close today, I wanna to encourage you to take a moment and look within, outwardly, can I really say that my lifestyle matches my identity as a Christ follower? I just want you to take a moment. One thing that we do have right now and with, with everything that's going on is we've got time, time to think, probably more time than what you want. And so instead of worrying about what may happen, what may never happen, instead of just binging on Netflix, what about taking some minutes and just evaluating your own heart? in the stillness of a room, in the quietness of a moment, just saying, how are my actions? How, how is my outward? If people just, if I never say a word, do they see Jesus in what I'm doing and how I respond to people and how I respond to this person or that person? And would they know I'm a Christian? How I live my life and what I do. Evaluate, look at your time. Where do you spend your time? Is it all about you? What about your money? Where, where do you invest? Where, where do you give? I mean, we, again, we all take care of our needs, but do I honor God with my money? What about my talent? What, what am I doing with the talent or the gifting? Am I honoring God with that? What am I doing externally? With the Great Commission, going around the corner, around the world. The second question I think we've got to ask is, deals with the inward. And it's, it's easy sometimes to portray this love for God externally, but let's take a moment to kind of reflect on what's truly in our hearts. Sometimes this takes a moment where I have to do this, where I say, Holy Spirit, just look at my heart. What's there? What's going on? Search me, oh God. And if there's any wickedness in me, if there's any sin in me, then forgive me. Have grace upon me, but let my heart be right before you. Because the Bible is very clear that God looks on the heart. We Man, look on the outer appearance. God looks on the heart. How's your heart? And if you're, if, if, if you're watching today and you say, man, my heart's so far away from God. Just real simple. 
I'm going to pray a prayer in just a minute. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer with me. If you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe that in your heart, you will be saved. What does that mean, Aaron? That means that when you stand before God on the judgment day that Paul's talking about, you can know that your heart is right, that your actions will be right because your heart's right, and that you can have peace and security knowing that you're right with God. I don't want anyone to hear this message today and think, be scared or fearful. There's no need to be scared or fearful. What Paul is saying is this, what we have inside of us matters and God knows. What we do in our lives matter, God sees it and he knows. So the question is, are you to the very best of your ability Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you believe that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is? Son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for your sins and rose again. Have you asked him to come into your heart, come into your life and be your Lord and be your Savior and take your sins away? If you have, and you're doing to the best of your ability to live that out internally and externally, then even though you're not perfect, you're safe because it's called grace. Grace is unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor of God. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But because of God loved me so much that he gave Jesus and Jesus covers my sins. So if I'm endeavoring, if I'm trying, if the intention of my heart and the actions of my life are consistent, I'm fine. The problem for a Christ follower or for someone that's in church is when they're playing games with God. That's when you're on shaky ground when you're verbally saying one thing, but your heart's far from it, when you are intentionally going and doing evil and you know that's a sin, the book of James says to to know something's a sin and you continue to do it, it's even, it's a double sin. It's even more because you have the truth because we're responsible for it. We read it right there in verse 11, 12, and 13. We're responsible for the truth, whether we have been told it or not. But even so much more when we're told it, that we know the truth, that we've got to live that out. So it's a really, it's an issue of intent. And so don't, don't go, am I going to be right with God? And, and what, what's going to happen? And I'm wigged out. No, 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 no. We can have confidence in this, that Jesus Christ has taken our sins away. That's what the Bible says. And that we can have confidence. It's not in our perfection, it's in him. But Paul's saying, hey, take a moment, check your heart. Hey, take a moment, check your actions. Make some course corrections. Because this is the biggest trial of your life. I wanna pray for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Right where you are, watching online, connecting, wherever you're connecting from, I just wanna pray for you. And if you're at a place where you go, Aaron, I don't know that I am right with the Lord. I don't know that I am in right relationship with God. Then I simply want you to do two things. Number one, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And the second thing is, is in a minute, I'm, I'm gonna ask you to click on, the, on the, the, the box there and where it talks about the um, next steps card and communicate to us that you've given your life to Christ. Because especially in this season, I just wanna send you some information. I wanna stay connected with you. We wanna help you any way we can and champion this newfound faith that you have. Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to come into my life, to be my Lord, to be my savior. I confess my sins and I believe 
that you, Jesus, are the son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life and died on the cross for my sins. And you rose from the grave, just like the Bible says. Let my heart and my actions be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen.